0: Ayer's on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. Hi there, listeners. We've had a great week on the road, actually on the water. We have just returned from uh, a cruise from to Alaska and had so much fun. And we actually met someone that listens to this radio show. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> well, but we... We don't want you listeners to think we're just hanging out on cruises. We we went there to talk about parenting. That's the only reason we go anywhere these days, right, honey? And we uh, had a wonderful group of good parents, some, some with children in their home and some who were grandparents, and all of whom were remarkably active and accepting of the idea that while we were floating along out on the sea, we might as well be using the time especially when we weren't eating to actually talk about our kids and how we can be better parents it's a, it's amazing to me Linda that wherever we go we find that uh, parents are really they're they're excited about trying to do better they're willing to talk they're it's not like anyone says oh come on I'm away from my kids right now the last thing I want to do is talk about them it's just the opposite. It's like I really, you know, anything I can learn that will help me in this very, very difficult world to be a better parent and help my kids do well in this tough world, I'm up for it. I want to listen. And if I have a good idea, I want to share it. And that's that's a pretty wonderful thing when you think about parents uh wanting to improve all the time and knowing... Just like we all do, including the two of us, we all need help wherever we can get it.
0: In fact, many of the people on this cruise that were in our group—we had about uh, 60 in our group—and um, many of them were grandparents and were empty nest parenting. And as a special delight, we had already done this with all of our daughters and with our sons on another cruise, and now we decided it was the time for the daughters-in-law. So three of our four daughters-in-law went with us on this cruise and boy did we all have fun. They bonded, we bonded with them. It was just fantastic. It's something we'll never forget.
1: We we talked and talked and talked and talked about their husbands, our sons, and we saw our own sons in a new and revealing light as husbands in the eyes of their wives, which was a wonderful thing. We. that's how we do these cruises, someone calls and says we want you to come and speak on a cruise, we say alright as long as we can bring some of our kids and then we bring different groups and this time it was the daughter-in-law's time and it was just fantastic, I don't know the last group we haven't brought on a let's go talk about our family sort of cruise is our sons-in-law, I'm not too sure that'll happen (laughs) (laughs)
0: Not that we won't try, but I don't know if uh, living in a bunk room for a week... (laughs) with the sons-in-law, with each other, I I don't know. They all like each other, but they all have jobs and demanding and being away from home that long (laughs) may not happen.
1: They would bond, and we'd learn a lot about our daughters from their husbands. Yeah, that's that's for sure. sure. Maybe Um, we should do some different kind of cruise, like an adventure cruise. How about a basketball cruise? Do they have such a thing?
0: Oh, they'd love that. Or, you know, a scuba diving cruise. They'd love that. We'd have to go with
1: a little smaller boat on that, I think. Yeah, I think so. But it it is really pretty neat to just sort of sit back. I mean, one thing about, uh, I, I have a feeling about things like this. I, some of you know from past shows I like, I think one of the best places to talk is, is in a road trip, in a car, where you're just sitting there and you can't really do much other than talk. and. You're not too anxious, or you're not too jumpy or stressed because you're just, you know, you got to drive there, and it takes a certain amount of time. So, it just seems like an environment where you you can really open up and talk. And I love going with a family member on a road trip or a drive of two or three hours where we can really talk. And the same thing, sort of on a macro level, applies to cruises because. You know, you, you eat together, you sit there and you, you, you don't feel like, oh, I really ought to be going and picking up the kids from trumpet lessons, you know, you, you, you're just there and it just lends itself to talk, so. In this case, it happened in two ways. We'd sit and have meals with our three daughter daughters-in-law, not daughter-in-laws, right, Linda? Right, daughters-in-law, right. Okay. And we would talk, and there was no pressure, and there was plenty of time, and there was the environment that lent itself to talking. And then on sea days when we weren't going into Ketchikan or Juneau or the Klondike or whatever Gagway. we would, Skagway we would be able to sit there and do the same thing essentially with other parents who were on this trip and just um, brainstorm about how to teach kids responsibility or how to get kids to you know be nicer to each other and not have sibling rivalries and on and on and on and on it was just a lot of fun
0: well i think really the most fun was catching up on our grandchildren because they, these three moms had nine well soon to be nine one little mom is there expecting their first baby in, at christmas but um... we had nine of our twenty three twenty four grandchildren represented by these three moms so it was so fun to catch up with them and honestly we heard the cutest stories we have a seven-year-old who lives in san diego that just keeps us laughing all the time
1: and uh... his mom was with us his mom
0: was with us and she told us about his being asked to give a talk in sunday school and he just, and it was supposed to be on prayer, so he said to his parents, just, I got it, don't worry, I got it, I don't need any help, I'll be
1: just fine. Uh, this is a rare kid, as you can see. Oh, do my not, gosh. Do not help me with my talk, Mom. <laughs> I can do my my little Sunday school speech by myself.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So it, uh, off he went, and he, he did ask for a scripture reference to... Uh, a man named Enos in the scriptures who was great at praying. And so he wanted to bring that scripture in. And so um, actually he was just adorable. He got up there and they recorded it before they went to church because they weren't sure if he could do it that well when he actually got there. But honestly, he got up and told this little story about getting lost in the woods last summer. They went on a retreat with their friends and he was, they were up in the redwoods somewhere, I think, and he wandered off and got lost. And he prayed his little heart out that he could find his way back and he did and he was so excited about it and then he gave this scripture reference and then he he ended this little sweet talk with this he said i have to just tell you my little testimony heavenly father never drops calls <laughs> and honestly his mom and dad just about dropped over when they heard him say that cuz they hadn't realized he even knew what a drop call was but um I guess that happens to them fairly often where they are. In fact they did a lot in New York. Maybe that's where he got it when they were in the city. But anyway, what a delight to hear that story and so many things about it. we had one family that I uh, Wait a
1: minute, before you leave little McKay, our grandson, he <laughs> Who says that seven year olds can and actually he's not quite seven. He's six, but about to turn seven, right? Am I right or wrong on that? Uh,
0: yes, that's right. He's just about turn okay. seven. Okay.
1: Right. I'm, I'm right. just I'm, I'm the challenge. Getting it straight, yeah. The challenge to remember their names, let alone their ages. No, that's not true. It's just sometimes a challenge to remember their actual birth dates, but we have that on a Google thing that tells us, so I think we're covered. Well, I can
0: remember the birth dates. I just can't remember quite how old they are, uh, well, but he is about to turn seven, so he's six still. Yeah, <laughs> but
1: what three. I was going to say is, who says a six-year-old can't come up with good analogies and good uh, metaphors, so think think how, and, and in a world of electronics anyway, for a kid to be thinking about prayer, and what comes to his mind is... uh god's line is never busy and he never drops a call (laughs) honestly what a kid
0: he keeps us laughing all the time last summer at the family reunion we had a new activity we've never done before and it was bird watching we live about five miles from a bird refuge up at bear lake where the reunion was and so we we got five separate cars every car had a photographer and there was a contest to see how many birds they could photograph and honestly, off they went, but McKay went off on his own and started making binoculars that he could use so that he could see the birds better. And honestly, he used an old jar ring on one side and the other side was smaller and he kept asking for, el- for elastic bands. And we Honestly, by the end, it was the cutest thing you've ever seen. And the last thing was, he needed a feather because he thought if he had a feather, he would be camouflaged and the birds <laughs> would not be able to see him. So we found him a pink boa feather. And honestly, he was just hysterical going on that. And bird. he
1: loved, and he loved- but he loves long words, so he really thought it was cool that he was now camouflaged. Camouflaged, So yeah. that he could watch the birds, but they could not see him, of course. Of course. Because well, he had a feather on.
0: <laughs> well, um, I guess you've heard enough about our grandchildren. Now, this is almost as bad as home movies, <laughs> telling stories about well, our grandchildren. Well, but, but
1: I think there's an underlying point, Linda, which is, you know, if, if, whether you're a parent or a grandparent, occasionally you have to say to yourself, am I having fun yet? <laughs> and if the answer is no, then you need to reevaluate a little because of course parenting and grandparenting are filled with worry and stress and different challenges, but when the dust all settles, it's also pretty fun and, and Being able to relax enough to notice how fun it is, is quite honestly one of the great keys to parenting. In fact, I don't know how you could ever measure this, but if you could somehow have a measurement for it, I think what we'd all find is that if you lined up all the parents who are having a good time being parents and really enjoying the parental role and enjoying their children, and then you tried to line up all the parents that are doing a pretty good job as parents you'd find they'd be the same people.
0: Yeah, that's really true. And and we do have to add that not all in-laws are as delightful as ours. We are so lucky. Every single one of our children has we have and we have 7 married now have chosen just absolutely amazing people to marry but we heard some horror stories on the cruise that we would not want to replicate because honestly there are some very sad in-law situations and problems and so we realize it's not all fun and games when it comes to in-laws but we did have one daughter-in-law who gave a half-hour talk while we were during one of our lectures which we were so delighted about because she's writing a book about in-laws and what she has learned from both sides of the family and And she's come from a very complicated family. Uh, Her mom's been divorced twice and and married now for a third time. And um, her dad had some issues, and there's lots of problems in the family, and yet she's been able to pull all that together and help people realize how important relationships are with in-laws. So that will be coming.
1: Well, and the main thing, I'll give you a sneak preview of her book. The main premise of it is, which we could all use a reminder on, and that is you've got, first and foremost, and undergirding and overarching everything else in in in-law relationships, you must keep communication open. The minute, and and this is some of the stories we were hearing from some of our co-parents on this cruise as we brainstormed, well, so-and-so doesn't speak anymore to so-and-so, and and, uh, -and so-and-so is completely estranged from her husband's side of the family, because, and then the because was always someone had offended someone at some point, and they had just decided the easiest way was to not speak anymore. And the minute that happens, there goes the relationship, and it will never recover unless you somehow get speaking again, which is a hard thing to do. So what we all need to learn to do in these interesting family relationships is take a deep breath and step aside and when you're feeling offended don't react too quickly kind of let it roll for a little while think it over and above all try not to get in a situation where somebody says well that's it you won't hear from me anymore because then we're really giving up Probably the most important thing in in life is our relationships, and and no relationships are more important than those with families. So we're out of time for this first half of the show. We're going to take a little break, and when we come back, just to surprise you and keep you guessing, we're going to talk a little about politics, and we're going to tie it in to families and parenting and relationships. Be back in a moment.
0: And we're back. And before we go on to the second half, we do need to just mention how fabulous the scenery was in Alaska. It was a bit cold and rainy, misty, magical, magical, mystical. It was absolutely wonderful. We uh, highly
1: recommend it. Now, um, let's just shift gears a little bit. Some of us wish that the government, whether it's on a local or a state or a national level, would do a little less to restrict us and regulate us and cause us grief and a little more to help us with our families. And I don't know, some people think that the combination of that is impossible. How can we, on the one hand, want government to get off our backs and on the other hand, want to have some kinds of help from the government as we raise our children. And so, we're like a we're like everyone else. we think about these things, and sometimes we're a little disgruntled and uh some of you who listen to this show regularly also read our columns in the Deseret News, the local Salt Lake City daily newspaper and I thought it might be appropriate as we were getting so close, only six weeks away from the election this year and getting closer every day to read you a column that um it's coming out this week in the paper, and then we'll talk a little about it. In fact, as I go along, Linda, break in on me and comment as we go. It's, it's fairly short, though, so I'm going to read the whole column. Okay. Okay, as consistent readers of this column know, we occasionally do an article, and we do our best to tie these articles into the parenting and family slant of this, col- of this column. We occasionally have a little dream about how parent and family centric a presidency might be. So let's just dream for a moment. There are a lot of what ifs in this scenario, but that's what dreams are all about, right? What if he felt that children were the key to our future as a country? What if he believed that children need, more than anything else, committed parents and strong families? And what if he concluded that many problems, in fact any problems that are allowed to spill out of the family, become impossibly expensive to solve once they land in our social services or welfare and juvenile justice departments. What if the president decided that the best solution for social problems was stronger homes? You with me so far, Linda? I'm with you. What if he decided that parents are this country's largest and most important special interest group? That's a thought. And what if he concluded the best way to think of government is as a support mechanism for families and parents? Wouldn't that be a dream? What if the president reasoned that preventative medicine... Building stronger families is a much better course than trying to cure social ills after families fail and kids become problems within our broader society. What if he came firmly to the conclusion that the best thing a country can do is to promote its own solvency, in order to promote its own solvency and survival, is to advance economic and societal well-being by protecting traditional functional, lasting families. On and on. I'm going to skip a little part, but I'm going to get to the sort of heart of it. Examples of how a president might pursue this course are actually cropping up all around the world. Australia now has a policy of attaching a family impact statement to all proposed and pending legislation thus forcing lawmakers to consider how various policies would affect families and households. England has a sort of, they don't call it this, but is sort of a family ombudsman in Parliament whose job it is to watch out for children and parents' interests in policy discussions and decisions. Other governments are beginning to recognize and acknowledge the enormous economic contribution of parents in raising a child, as a productive law abiding member of society and accordingly are increasing the tax deduction and the exemption for each child in a household. Our exemptions uh for for children that we raise have not increased, by the way, in many, many years. And uh it's a very expensive proposition, as we all know, to raise a law abiding child. And of course pressure's mounting to abolish the marriage tax, which actually causes married couples to have higher taxes than those same two adults would have if they lived separately as single individuals so there are the point is there are things i'm not reading anymore but there are things government can do and wouldn't it be wonderful if we had a president who said to himself that's the best thing i can do for this country is do anything within my purview or power to help parents in this very difficult job of raising their children. Wow,
0: that's so true and um, it's just so hard to cut through all the bureaucracy and really get to the bottom line which is taking care of families and helping families who are, as you said at the beginning of that article, who are just so distraught and so clueless about what to do with their families that um, we just never get to the core problem. It just produces bad things all the way through society. And if we could just get to that bottom line and really help families, wouldn't it be awesome?
1: You know, and if if, uh, don't hold your breath on this one, folks. I doubt it will ever happen. But if the president were ever to ask Linda and I what to do, we would say, hey, why don't you create a cabinet-level office on families, on parenting, and on children's welfare. I think that you could make a pretty strong case for that. I mean, we have a Secretary of Agriculture. We have a Secretary of Commerce. We have a Secretary of Labor. We have a Secretary of State. Why why wouldn't we have a Secretary of the most important resource – We have in this country which is children and families someone to really look out for all that uh, I'm not saying and believe me believe me I'm not saying we need government to substitute for the roles that should be being played by parents that would be the worst of all worlds but on the other hand someone who at least pays attention the fact that almost everything government does in some way affects parents and families and oftentimes in a negative way.
0: Well, it's true that the biggest special interest group in the country is parents, but we're not thought of that way. We're just thought of kind of bothersome it's, uh, t- we're taxed when we're not married I mean married more than if we're not married and and there are just a lot of things that don't lend themselves to f- good family values that we could really change if we had somebody paying attention to May, it so. maybe
1: we need lobbyists in Washington that would be I awesome. represent parents wouldn't <laughs> that be awesome the problem is who'd pay that guy that's right <laughs>
0: Well, we laugh, but maybe we can figure out something because, wow, we just need a voice in government with the way things are going, with uh, values and uh, everything that's involved in politics right now. is just so scary for the family.
1: And once again, these half hours go fast, and we're just about out of time. I'll give you the last word, honey, but I just want to say, you parents, just by listening to this show and just by thinking about your families and about your parenting and about how you can improve and about how you can raise responsible kids. You are know it or not doing the most important thing you could do for this country and for this society because when we all really think about it, we kind of know that the way we're going to the way we're going to save this nation is one
0: family at a time. It's so true and I just like to close off where we started and say If you can't, if you don't see a cruise on your schedule the next year or two, take your in-laws out to dinner, get to know them better, and really enjoy these wonderful people who bring so much to your family. Goodbye, and we hope to see you again next week.